Section 8 of the Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Jarrow. Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election by Robert Mueller. 7. Post-Convention Contacts with Kislyak Ambassador Kislyak continued his efforts to interact with campaign officials with responsibility for the foreign policy portfolio, among them Sessions and Gordon, in the weeks after the convention. The office did not identify evidence in those interactions of coordination between the campaign and the Russian government. A. Ambassador Kislyak invites J.D. Gordon to breakfast at the ambassador's residence. On August 3, 2016, an official from the Embassy of the Russian Federation in the United States wrote to Gordon on behalf of Ambassador Kislyak, inviting Gordon to have breakfast or tea with the ambassador at his residence in Washington, D.C. the following week. Gordon responded five days later to decline the invitation. He wrote, These days are not optimal for us, as we are busily knocking down a constant stream of false media stories while also preparing for the first debate with HRC. Hope to take a rain check for another time when things quiet down a bit. Please pass along my regards to the ambassador. The investigation did not identify evidence that Gordon made any other arrangements to meet or met with Kislyak after this email. b. Senator Sessions' September 2016 meeting with Ambassador Kislyak. Also in August 2016, a representative of the Russian embassy contacted Sessions' Senate office about setting up a meeting with Kislyak. At the time, Sessions was a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and would meet with foreign officials in that capacity. But Sessions staff reported, and Sessions himself acknowledged, that meeting requests from ambassadors increased substantially in 2016, as Sessions assumed a prominent role in the Trump campaign, and his name was mentioned for potential cabinet-level positions in a future Trump administration. On September 8, 2016, Sessions met with Kislyak in his Senate office. Sessions said that he believed he was doing the campaign a service by meeting with foreign ambassadors, including Kislyak. He was accompanied in the meeting by at least two of his Senate staff, Sandra Luff, his legislative director, and Pete Landrum, who handled military affairs. The meeting lasted less than 30 minutes. Sessions voiced concerns about Russia's sale of a missile defense system to Iran, Russian planes buzzing U.S. military assets in the Middle East, and Russian aggression in emerging democracies such as Ukraine and Moldova. Kislyak offered explanations on these issues and complained about NATO land forces in former Soviet bloc countries that border Russia. Landrum recalled that Kislyak referred to the presidential campaign as an interesting campaign, 
and Sessions also recalled Kislyak saying that the Russian government was receptive to the overtures Trump had laid out during his campaign. None of the attendees, though, remembered any discussion of Russian election interference or any request that Sessions convey information from the Russian government to the Trump campaign. During the meeting, Kislyak invited Sessions to further discuss U.S.-Russia relations with him over a meal at the ambassador's residence. Sessions was noncommittal when Kislyak extended the invitation. After the meeting ended, Luff advised Sessions against accepting the one-on-one -on -one meeting with Kislyak, whom she assessed to be an old-school KGB guy. Neither Luff nor Landrum recalled that Sessions followed up on the invitation or made any further effort to dine or meet with Kislyak before the November 2016 election. Sessions and Landrum recalled that, after the election, some efforts were made to arrange a meeting between Sessions and Kislyak. According to Sessions, the request came through CNI and would have involved a meeting between Sessions and Kislyak, two other ambassadors, and the governor of Alabama. Sessions, however, was in New York on the day of the anticipated meeting and was unable to attend. The investigation did not identify evidence that the two men met at any point after their September 8th meeting. 8. Paul Manafort Paul Manafort served on the Trump campaign including a period as campaign chairman, from March to August 2016. Manafort had connections to Russia through his prior work for Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska, and later through his work for a pro-Russian regime in Ukraine. Manafort stayed in touch with these contacts during the campaign period through Konstantin Kolimnik, a longtime Manafort employee who previously ran Manafort's office in Kiev, and who the FBI assesses to have ties to Russian intelligence. Manafort instructed Rick Gates, his deputy on the campaign and a longtime employee, to provide Kalimnik with updates on the Trump campaign, including internal polling data, although Manafort claims not to recall that specific instruction. Manafort expected Kalimnik to share that information with others in Ukraine and with Deripaska. Gates periodically sent such polling data to Kalimnik during the campaign. Manafort also twice met Kalimnik in the United States during the campaign period and conveyed campaign information. The second meeting took place on August 2, 2016 in New York City. Kalimnik requested the meeting to deliver in person a message from former Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych, who was then living in Russia. The message was about a peace plan for Ukraine that Manafort has since acknowledged was a backdoor means for Russia to control eastern Ukraine. Several months later, after the presidential election, Kalimnik wrote an email to Manafort expressing the view which Manafort later said he shared, that the plan's success would require U.S. support to succeed. All that is required to start the process is a very minor wink or slight push from Donald Trump. The email also stated 
that if Manafort were designated as the U.S. representative and started the process, Yanukovych would ensure his reception in Russia at the very top level. Manafort communicated with Kalimnik about peace plans for Ukraine on at least four occasions after their first discussion of the topic on August 2nd. December 2016, the Kalimnik email described above, January 2017, February 2017, and again in the spring of 2018. The office reviewed numerous Manafort email and text communications and asked President Trump about the plan in written questions. The investigation did not uncover evidence of Manafort's passing along information about Ukrainian peace plans to the candidate or anyone else in the campaign or the administration. The office was not, however, able to gain access to all of Manafort's electronic communications. In some instances, messages were sent using encryption applications. And while Manafort denied that he spoke to members of the Trump campaign or the new administration about the peace plan, he lied to the office and the grand jury about the peace plan and his meetings with Kalimnik. And his unreliability on this subject was among the reasons that the district judge found that he had breached his cooperation agreement. The office could not reliably determine Manafort's purpose in sharing internal polling data with Kalimnik during the campaign period. Manafort, redacted grand jury, did not see a downside to sharing campaign information and told Gates that his role in the campaign would be good for business and potentially a way to be made whole for work he previously completed in the Ukraine. As to Deripaska, Manafort claimed that by sharing campaign information with him, Deripaska might see value in their relationship and resolve a disagreement, a reference to one or more outstanding lawsuits. Because of questions about Manafort's credibility and our limited ability to gather evidence on what happened to the polling data after it was sent to Kalimnik, the office could not assess what Kalimnik or others he may have given it to did with it. The office did not identify evidence of a connection between Manafort's sharing polling data and Russia's interference in the election, which had already been reported by U.S. media outlets at the time of the August 2nd meeting. The investigation did not establish that Manafort otherwise coordinated with the Russian government on its election interference efforts. A. Paul Manafort's Ties to Russia and Ukraine Manafort's Russian contacts during the campaign and transition periods stem from his consulting work for Deripaska from approximately 2005 to 2009 and his separate political consulting work in Ukraine from 2005 to 2015, including through his company DMP International LLC, DMI. Kalimnik worked for Manafort in Kiev during this entire period and continued to communicate with Manafort through at least June 2018. Kalimnik, who speaks and writes Ukrainian and Russian, 
facilitated many of Manafort's communications with Deripaska and Ukrainian oligarchs. 1. Oleg Deripaska Consulting Work In approximately 2005, Manafort began working for Deripaska, a Russian oligarch who has a global empire involving aluminum and power companies and who is closely aligned with Vladimir Putin. A memorandum describing work that Manafort performed for Deripaska in 2005 regarding the post-Soviet republics referenced the need to brief the Kremlin and the benefits that the work could confer on the Putin government. Gates described the work Manafort did for Deripaska as political risk insurance and explained that Deripaska used Manafort to install friendly political officials in countries where Deripaska had business interests. Manafort's company earned tens of millions of dollars from its work for Deripaska and was loaned millions of dollars by Deripaska as well. In 2007, Deripaska invested through another entity in Pericles Emerging Market Partners LP, Pericles, an investment fund created by Manafort and former Manafort business partner Richard Davis. The Pericles Fund was established to pursue investments in Eastern Europe. Deripaska was the sole investor. Gates stated in interviews with the office that the venture led to a deterioration of the relationship between Manafort and Deripaska. In particular, when the fund failed, litigation between Manafort and Deripaska ensued. Gates stated that, by 2009, Manafort's business relationship with Deripaska had dried up. According to Gates, various interactions with Deripaska and his intermediaries over the past few years have involved trying to resolve the legal dispute. As described below, in 2016, Manafort, Gates, Kalimnik, and others engaged in efforts to revive the Deripaska relationship and resolve the litigation. 2. Political Consulting Work Through Deripaska, Manafort was introduced to Rinat Akhmetov, a Ukrainian oligarch who hired Manafort as a political consultant. In 2005, Akhmetov hired Manafort to engage in political work supporting the Party of Regions, a political party in Ukraine that was generally understood to align with Russia. Manafort assisted the Party of Regions in regaining power, and its candidate, Viktor Yanukovych, won the presidency in 2010. Manafort became a close and trusted political advisor to Yanukovych during his time as president of Ukraine. Yanukovych served in that role until 2014, when he fled to Russia amidst popular protests. 3. Konstantin Kalimnik Kalimnik is a Russian national who has lived in both Russia and Ukraine and was a longtime Manafort employee. Kalimnik had direct and close access to Yanukovych and his senior entourage, and he facilitated communications between Manafort and his clients, including Yanukovych and multiple Ukrainian oligarchs. Kalimnik also maintained a relationship 
with Deripaska's deputy, Victor Boyarkin, a Russian national who previously served in the defense attache office of the Russian embassy to the United States. Manafort told the office that he did not believe Kalimnik was working as a Russian spy. The FBI, however, assesses that Kalimnik has ties to Russian intelligence. Several pieces of the office's evidence, including witness interviews and emails obtained through court-authorized search warrants, support that assessment. Kalimnik was born on April 27, 1970, in Dnipropetrovsk Oblast, then of the Soviet Union, and attended the Military Institute of the Ministry of Defense from 1987 until 1992. Sam Patton, a business partner to Kalimnik, stated that Kalimnik told him that he was a translator in the Russian army for seven years, and that he later worked in the Russian armament industry, selling arms and military equipment. U.S. government visa records reveal that Kalimnik obtained a visa to travel to the United States with a Russian diplomatic passport in 1997. Kalimnik worked for the International Republican Institute's IRI Moscow office, where he did translation work and general office management from 1998 to 2005. While another official recalled the incident differently, one former associate of Kalimnik's at IRI told the FBI that Kalimnik was fired from his post because his links to Russian intelligence were too strong. The same individual stated that it was well known at IRI that Kalimnik had links to the Russian government. Jonathan Hawker, a British national who was a public relations consultant at FTI Consulting, worked with DMI on a public relations campaign for Yanukovych. After Hawker's work for DMI ended, Kalimnik contacted Hawker about working for a Russian government entity on a public relations project that would promote in Western and Ukrainian media, Russia's position on its 2014 invasion of Crimea. Gates suspected that Kalimnik was a spy, a view that he shared with Manafort, Hawker, and Alexander Vanderswan, an attorney who had worked with DMI on a report for the Ukrainian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Redacted Investigative Technique B. Contacts during Paul Manafort's time with the Trump campaign. 1. Paul Manafort joins the campaign. Manafort served on the Trump campaign from late March to August 19, 2016. On March 29, 2016, the campaign announced that Manafort would serve as the campaign's convention manager. On May 19, 2016, Manafort was promoted to campaign chairman and chief strategist, and Gates, who had been assisting Manafort on the campaign, was appointed deputy campaign chairman. Thomas Barrack and Roger Stone both recommended Manafort to candidate Trump. In early 2016, at Manafort's request, Barrack suggested to Trump that Manafort join the campaign to manage the Republican convention. Stone had worked with Manafort from approximately 1980 
until the mid-1990s through various consulting and lobbying firms. Manafort met Trump in 1982 when Trump hired the Black Manafort Stone and Kelly lobbying firm. Over the years, Manafort saw Trump at political and social events in New York City and at Stone's wedding, and Trump requested VIP status at the 1988 and 1996 Republican conventions worked by Manafort. According to Gates, in March 2016, Manafort traveled to Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida to meet with Trump. Trump hired him at that time. Manafort agreed to work on the campaign without pay. Manafort had no meaningful income at this point in time, but resuscitating his domestic political campaign career could be financially beneficial in the future. Gates reported that Manafort intended, if Trump won the presidency, to remain outside the administration and monetize his relationship with the administration. 2. Paul Manafort's Campaign Period Contacts Immediately upon joining the campaign, Manafort directed Gates to prepare for his review separate memoranda addressed to Deripaska, Akhmatov, Serhii Leovochkin, and Boris Kolesnikov, the last three being Ukrainian oligarchs who were senior opposition bloc officials. The memoranda described Manafort's appointment to the Trump campaign and indicated his willingness to consult on Ukrainian politics in the future. On March 30, 2016, Gates emailed the memoranda and a press release announcing Manafort's appointment to Kalimnik for translation and dissemination. Manafort later followed up with Kalimnik to ensure his messages had been delivered, emailing on April 11, 2016, to ask whether Kalimnik had shown our friends the media coverage of his new role. Kalimnik replied, absolutely, every article. Manafort further asked, how do we use to get whole? Has OVD, Oleg Vladimirovich Deripaska, Operation Scene? Kalimnik wrote back the same day, yes, I have been sending everything to Victor, Boyarkin, Deripaska's deputy, who has been forwarding the coverage directly to OVD. Gates reported that Manafort said that being hired on the campaign would be good for business and increase the likelihood that Manafort would be paid the approximately $2 million he was owed for previous political consulting work in Ukraine. Gates also explained to the office that Manafort thought his role on the campaign could help confirm that Deripaska had dropped the Pericles lawsuit and that Gates believed Manafort sent polling data to Deripaska, as discussed further below, so that Deripaska would not move forward with his lawsuit against Manafort. Gates further stated that Deripaska wanted a visa to the United States, that Deripaska could believe that having Manafort in a position inside the campaign or administration might be helpful to Deripaska and that Manafort's relationship with Trump could help Deripaska in other ways as well. Gates stated, however, that Manafort never told him anything specific about what, if anything, Manafort might be offering Deripaska. 
Gates also reported that Manafort instructed him in April 2016 or early May 2016 to send Kalimnik campaign internal polling data and other updates so that Kalimnik in turn could share it with Ukrainian oligarchs. Gates understood that the information would also be shared with Deripaska, redacted grand jury. Gates reported to the office that he did not know why Manafort wanted him to send polling information, but Gates thought it was a way to showcase Manafort's work, and Manafort wanted to open doors to jobs after the Trump campaign ended. Gates said that Manafort's instruction included sending internal polling data prepared for the Trump campaign by pollster Tony Fabrizio. Fabrizio had worked with Manafort for years and was brought into the campaign by Manafort. Gates stated that, in accordance with Manafort's instruction, he periodically sent Kalimnik polling data via WhatsApp. Gates then deleted the communications on a daily basis. Gates further told the office that, after Manafort left the campaign in mid-August, Gates sent Kalimnik polling data less frequently, and that the data he sent was more publicly available information and less internal data. Gates' account about polling data is consistent, redacted grand jury, with multiple emails that Kalimnik sent to U.S. associates and press contacts between late July and mid-August of 2016. Those emails referenced internal polling, described the status of the Trump campaign and Manafort's role in it, and assessed Trump's prospects for victory. Manafort did not acknowledge instructing Gates to send Kalimnik internal data. Redacted Grand Jury. The office also obtained contemporaneous emails that shed light on the purpose of the communications with Deripaska and that are consistent with Gates' account. For example, in response to a July 7, 2016 email from a Ukrainian reporter about Manafort's failed Deripaska-backed investment, Manafort asked Kalimnik whether there had been any movement on this issue with our friend. Gates stated that our friend likely referred to Deripaska, and Manafort told the office that the issue and our biggest interest, as stated below, was a solution to the Deripaska Pericles issue. Kalimnik replied, I am carefully optimistic on the question of our biggest interest. Our friend, Boyarkin, said there is lately significantly more attention to the campaign in his boss, Deripaska's mind, and he will be most likely looking for ways to reach out to you pretty soon, understanding all the time sensitivity. I am more than sure that it will be resolved, and we will get back to the original relationship with V's boss, Deripaska. Eight minutes later, Manafort replied that Kalimnik should tell Boyarkin's boss, a reference to Deripaska, that if he needs private briefings, we can accommodate. Manafort has alleged to the office that he was willing to brief Deripaska only on public campaign matters, and gave an example why Trump selected Mike Pence as the vice presidential running mate. Manafort said he never gave Deripaska a briefing. Manafort noted that if Trump won, 
Deripaska would want to use Manafort to advance whatever interests Deripaska had in the United States and elsewhere. 3. Paul Manafort's two campaign period meetings with Konstantin Kalimnik in the United States. Manafort twice met with Kalimnik in person during the campaign period, once in May and again in August 2016. The first meeting took place on May 7, 2016 in New York City. In the days leading to the meeting, Kalimnik had been working to gather information about the political situation in Ukraine. That included information gleaned from a trip that former Party of Regions official Yuri Boyko had recently taken to Moscow, a trip that likely included meetings between Boyko and high-ranking Russian officials. Kalimnik then traveled to Washington, D.C. on or about May 5, 2016. While in Washington, Kalimnik had prearranged meetings with State Department employees. Late on the evening of May 6, Gates arranged for Kalimnik to take a 3 a.m. train to meet Manafort in New York for breakfast on May 7. According to Manafort, during the meeting, he and Kalimnik talked about events in Ukraine, and Manafort briefed Kalimnik on the Trump campaign, expecting Kalimnik to pass the information back to individuals in Ukraine and elsewhere. Manafort stated that opposition bloc members recognized Manafort's position on the campaign was an opportunity, but Kalimnik did not ask for anything. Kalimnik spoke about a plan of Boyko to boost election participation in the eastern zone of Ukraine, which was the base for the opposition bloc. Kalimnik returned to Washington, D.C. right after the meeting with Manafort. Manafort met with Kalimnik a second time at the Grand Havana Club in New York City on the evening of August 2, 2016. The events leading to the meeting are as follows. On July 28, 2016, Kalimnik flew from Kiev to Moscow. The next day, Kalimnik wrote to Manafort requesting that they meet using coded language about a conversation he had that day. In an email with a subject line, Black Caviar, Kalimnik wrote, I met today with the guy who gave you your biggest black caviar jar several years ago. We spent about five hours talking about his story, and I have several important messages from him to you. He asked me to go and brief you on our conversation. I said I have to run it by you first, but in principle I am prepared to do it. It has to do about the future of his country and is quite interesting. Manafort identified the guy who gave you your biggest black caviar jar as Yanukovych. He explained that in 2010, he and Yanukovych had lunch to celebrate the recent presidential election. Yanukovych gave Manafort a large jar of black caviar that was worth approximately 30000 to $40,000. Manafort's identification of Yanukovych as the guy who gave you your biggest black caviar jar is consistent with Kalimnik being in Moscow, where Yanukovych resided, when Kalimnik wrote, I met today with the guy and with a December 2016 email in which Kalimnik referred to Yanukovych as B.G., redacted grand jury. 
Manafort replied to Kalimnik's July 29th email, Tuesday, August 2nd is best. Tuesday or Wednesday in NYC. Three days later, on July 31st, 2016, Kalimnik flew back to Kiev from Moscow and on that same day wrote to Manafort that he needed about two hours for their meeting because it is a long caviar story to tell. Kalimnik wrote that he would arrive at JFK on August 2nd at 7.30 p.m., and he and Manafort agreed to a late dinner that night. Documentary evidence, including flight, phone, and hotel records, and the timing of text messages exchanged, confirms the dinner took place as planned on August 2nd. As to the contents of the meeting itself, the accounts of Manafort and Gates who arrived late to the dinner, differ in certain respects. But their versions of events, when assessed alongside available documentary evidence and what Kalimnik told business associate Sam Patton, indicate that at least three principal topics were discussed. First, Manafort and Kalimnik discussed a plan to resolve the ongoing political problems in Ukraine by creating an autonomous republic in its more industrialized eastern region of Donbass, and having Yanukovych, the Ukrainian president, ousted in 2014, elected to head that republic. That plan, Manafort later acknowledged, constituted a backdoor means for Russia to control eastern Ukraine. Manafort initially said that, if he had not cut off the discussion, Kalimnik would have asked Manafort in the August 2nd meeting to convince Trump to come out in favor of the peace plan, and Yanukovych would have expected Manafort to use his connections in Europe and Ukraine to support the plan. Manafort also initially told the office that he had said to Kalimnik that the plan was crazy, that the discussion ended, and that he did not recall Kalimnik asking Manafort to reconsider the plan after their August 2nd meeting. Manafort said, redacted grand jury, that he reacted negatively to Yanukovych's sending, years later, an urgent request when Yanukovych needed him. When confronted with an email written by Kalimnik on or about December 8, 2016, however, Manafort acknowledged Kalimnik raised the peace plan again in that email. Manafort ultimately acknowledged Kalimnik also raised the peace plan in January and February 2017 meetings with Manafort, redacted grand jury. Second, Manafort briefed Kalimnik on the state of the Trump campaign and Manafort's plan to win the election. That briefing encompassed the campaign's messaging and its internal polling data. According to Gates, it also included discussion of battleground states, which Manafort identified as Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. Manafort did not refer explicitly to battleground states in his telling of the August 2nd discussion. Redacted Grand Jury. Third, according to Gates, and what Kalimnik told Patton, Manafort and Kalimnik discussed two sets of financial disputes related to Manafort's previous work in the region. Those consisted of the unresolved Deripaska lawsuit, 
and the funds that the opposition bloc owed to Manafort for his political consulting work and how Manafort might be able to obtain payment. After the meeting, Gates and Manafort both stated that they left separately from Kalimnik because they knew the media was tracking Manafort and wanted to avoid media reporting on his connections to Kalimnik. C. Post-Resignation Activities Manafort resigned from the Trump campaign in mid-August 2016, approximately two weeks after his second meeting with Kalimnik, amidst negative media reporting about his political consulting work for the pro-Russian Party of Regions in Ukraine. Despite his resignation, Manafort continued to offer advice to various campaign officials through the November election. Manafort told Gates that he still spoke with Kushner, Bannon, and candidate Trump, and some of those post-resignation contacts are documented in emails. For example, on October 21, 2016, Manafort sent Kushner an email and attached a strategy memorandum proposing that the campaign make the case against Clinton as the failed and corrupt champion of the establishment, and that WikiLeaks provides the Trump campaign the ability to make the case in a very credible way by using the words of Clinton, its campaign officials, and DNC members. Later, in a November 5, 2016 email to Kushner entitled Securing the Victory, Manafort stated that he was really feeling good about our prospects on Tuesday and focusing on preserving the victory, and that he was concerned the Clinton campaign would respond to a loss by moving immediately to discredit the Trump victory and claim voter fraud and cyber fraud, including the claim that the Russians have hacked into the voting machines and tampered with the results. Trump was elected president on November 8, 2016. Manafort told the office that, in the wake of Trump's victory, he was not interested in an administration job. Manafort instead preferred to stay on the outside and monetize his campaign position to generate business given his familiarity and relationship with Trump and the incoming administration. Manafort appeared to follow that plan as he traveled to the Middle East, Cuba, South Korea, Japan, and China, and was paid to explain what a Trump presidency would entail. Manafort's activities in early 2017 included meetings relating to Ukraine and Russia. The first meeting, which took place in Madrid, Spain, in January 2017, was with Georgi Oganov. Oganov, who had previously worked at the Russian embassy in the United States, was a senior executive at a Deripaska company and was believed to report directly to Deripaska. Manafort initially denied attending the meeting. When he later acknowledged it, he claimed that the meeting had been arranged by his lawyers and concerned only the Pericles lawsuit. Other evidence, however, provides reason to doubt Manafort's statement that the sole topic of the meeting was the Pericles lawsuit. In particular, text messages to Manafort from a number associated with Kalimnik suggest that Kalimnik and Boyarkin, not Manafort's counsel, 
had arranged the meeting between Manafort and Oganov. Kalimnik's message states that the meeting was supposed to be not about money or Pericles, but instead about recreating the old friendship, ostensibly between Manafort and Deripaska, and talking about global politics. Manafort also replied by text that he needs this finished before January 20th, which appears to be a reference to resolving Pericles before the inauguration. On January 15th, 2017, three days after his return from Madrid, Manafort emailed K.T. McFarland, who was at that time designated to be Deputy National Security Advisor and was formally appointed to that position on January 20th, 2017. Manafort's January 15th email to McFarland stated, I have some important information I want to share that I picked up on my travels over the last month. Manafort told the office that the email referred to an issue regarding Cuba, not Russia or Ukraine, and Manafort had traveled to Cuba in the past month. Either way, McFarland, who was advised by Flynn not to respond to the Manafort inquiry, appears not to have responded to Manafort. Manafort told the office that around the time of the presidential inauguration in January, he met with Kalimnik and Ukrainian oligarch Serhii Leovochkin at the Weston Hotel in Alexandria, Virginia. During this meeting, Kalimnik again discussed the Yanukovych peace plan that he had broached at the August 2nd meeting and in a detailed December 8, 2016 message found in Kalimnik's DMP email account. In that December 8th email, which Manafort acknowledged having read, Kalimnik wrote, All that is required to start the process is a very minor wink or slight push from DT, an apparent reference to President-elect Trump, and a decision to authorize you to be a special representative and manage this process. Kalimnik assured Manafort, with that authority, he could start the process and within 10 days visit Russia. Yanukovych guarantees your reception at the very top level, and that DT could have peace in Ukraine, basically, within a few months after inauguration. As noted above, redacted grand jury, and statements to the office, Manafort sought to qualify his engagement on and support for the plan. Redacted Grand Jury On February 26, 2017, Manafort met Kalimnik in Madrid, where Kalimnik had flown from Moscow. In his first two interviews with the office, Manafort denied meeting with Kalimnik on his Madrid trip and then, after being confronted with documentary evidence, that Kalimnik was in Madrid at the same time as him, recognized that he had met him in Madrid. Manafort said that Kalimnik had updated him on a criminal investigation into so-called black ledger payments to Manafort that was being conducted by Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau, redacted grand jury. Manafort remained in contact with Kalimnik 
throughout 2017 and into the spring of 2018. Those contacts included matters pertaining to the criminal charges brought by the office and the Ukraine peace plan. In early 2018, Manafort retained his longtime polling firm to craft a draft poll in Ukraine, sent the pollsters a three-page primer on the plan sent by Kalimnik, and worked with Kalimnik to formulate the polling questions. The primer sent to the pollsters specifically called for the United States and President Trump to support the autonomous republic of Donbass with Yanukovych as prime minister. And a series of questions in the draft poll asked for opinions on Yanukovych's role in resolving the conflict in Donbass. The poll was not solely about Donbass. It also sought participants' views on leaders apart from Yanukovych, as they pertained to the 2019 Ukraine presidential election. The office has not uncovered evidence that Manafort brought the Ukraine peace plan to the attention of the Trump campaign or the Trump administration. Kalimnik continued his efforts to promote the peace plan to the executive branch, for example, U.S. Department of State, into the summer of 2018. End of Section 8 Recording by Lynn Jarrow.